Hello and welcome back. Yes, I am still your host, registered dietitian nutritionist, Zach Cordell. And uh, yeah, I look forward to spending the next little while talking about food and faith with you. So you got a big family, but little food. Let's talk about it. This is Zach Cordell, registered dietitian and host for the Latter-day Saint Nutritionist, where food, faith, and science meet. This podcast is not intended to be individualized medical advice. As always, please consult with a medical professional in your area to make sure that your medical history is taken into account to make sure that you get the best care possible. So what we really need to talk about today is, uh, you know, that terror that goes through every family where you're like, I don't even know how I can feed myself. How am I going to feed another family? And I'm not talking about like the cooking aspect of things. I'm just talking about money. You have more mouths, you have the same money. How do you feed more mouths with the same money? What's going to happen? More often than not, in the Mormon culture, no one really wants to admit that they need help, but we always are in the mood for helping other people. So let's talk about food and finances. Most of us have read the premarital book that we're all supposed to have won for the money by Marvin J. Ash, and it was a talk, then they moved it into a booklet. It talks about managing money before money manages you. And a lot of people feel like a failure when they need to go to the bishop because they haven't managed their money well enough. And they're like, well, maybe I'm one of the, the people that just buried my talents in the sand and didn't multiply it or didn't use it or didn't grow it the way that it needed to be. And it's uncomfortable to go and ask for help because it's a very real awakening of Mosiah 419 where he asks, are we not all beggars? And to jump right into this, we're going to talk about food insecurity. You may not have heard of food insecurity, but it is basically the idea that you do not know where your next meal is coming from and you do not have finances to provide your next meal. So I'm going to go through a series of six questions. And in these six questions, this is what would be asked to someone to determine whether or not they are food insecure. So the first one is, the food that I or we bought just didn't last, and we didn't have money to get more. Was that often, sometimes, or never true for you and your household in the last 12 months? Next, I or we couldn't afford to eat balanced meals. Was that often, sometimes, or never true for you or your household in the last 12 months? Next, in the last 12 months, did you or other adults in your household ever have to cut the size of your food or skip meals because there wasn't enough money for food? And then if you answered yes to that above, then I'm going to ask you this one. In the last 12 months, did you ever eat less than you felt you should because there wasn't enough money for food? This is different than like dieting, like you did not have enough money and as a result, you didn't eat food. Next. And this is the final question. In the last 12 months, were you ever hungry but didn't eat because there wasn't enough money for food? So I think that in the Mormon culture, we don't really discuss this. We do know about the bishop's storehouse. We know about food stamps. But that's what poor people use, and we're not poor people. And we're self-reliant, and we need to be able to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and just make it work. But I think you realize that there are a lot of people out there that have used assistance programs to help them when they're a starting family. And some people even have the mentality that, well, I pay my tithing. This is how the Lord is going to take care of me. 
because a lot of people get into doing their budget and realize that the only thing that they can change, the only thing that can move, their only thing that can wiggle a little bit is just going to be the funny <laughs> – yeah, the funny money. Sure, it, that is going to be the money that is used for groceries. We were told to grow a garden and that people thought it was going to be for like preparing for doomsday um, or that the stock market was going to crash again and we were going to have to wait in soup lines like during the Great Depression. But there's a, a guy in, in South L.A. who uh, is known as being the gorilla gardener and he likes to talk about how growing food is like printing your own money. And In Mormon culture, we're pretty good at making casserole dishes and other types of things that can stretch a little ways, whether it's soup or meatloaf, putting oatmeal in your meatloaf, putting more water in your soup, eating green jello, you know. But sometimes you genuinely might need help to get more food, and that is completely okay. It is better to ask than to just go without and then get to the point where it's more difficult than it should be because you didn't ask sooner. That's really why the Bishop Storehouse is around, right? It is there to help people. But it is a very humbling experience to recognize that maybe I'm one of those people that does need help. And I bet you more people than you think, especially that are members of the church that have had multiple kids, have had some kind of assistance. These programs literally can be lifesavers, but those experiences can also shape how we think about food. So let's talk about what effect does that have on our approach to food years later when you don't have to limit what you eat, but you might still do it. So you were poor, but you're not poor anymore, but you still eat like you are poor. Eh, here's a perfect example of this. Free food. I don't know how many times I've sat in an elders quorum meeting or in ward council or someone says, if food is going to be there, we'll always get more people. And this is going to be the case in schools too. You hear it all the time whenever there's pizza available after you're going to have a club meeting. If you want people to come to your club meeting, you have food there and you're good to go. But think about this. If someone doesn't have food at home and they're coming to the event primarily to get food, shouldn't we do what we can to make it healthier food items rather than heavy calorie-dense foods? An example for you. When I was a young men's president, I would bring oranges and bananas to the young men events that we were having and a lot of people would tease me. They're like, okay, so we're going to have pizza and, and bananas and oranges. But you'd be surprised that those young men would just kill those oranges. And then they would take them home. And I don't know how often they, some of them would get to eat fruit. But that they would get it this time. So providing that opportunity for people, if you are there providing food, making sure that it is a healthy option for them can be pretty important. Like I said before, you might have reached the point where food is the only part of your budget that has a little bit of give to it. And as a result, ramen, soup, rice, boiled eggs, cereal, and tuna start to become your best friends. But when you're broke, food can kind of become the only thing that seems like a vacation. You're not really dreaming about going to Europe or going to Disney, but you can make a good meal. Or you can have a potluck with your friends. You can have your Sunday night get-togethers, whatever it is. But those things are all that you really might be able to think about. So that's going to shape how you see food because you're not going to want to put off being able to buy a bag of chips that's a dollar because you think that you're going to get some kind of joy somewhere else. So these are some of the ways that like food and security can start to shape how we see things. One, you're willing to eat anything that's available to you. Two, 
because you can afford a dollar hot dog or you can go to Wendy's four for four and be good to go, then that's a treat for you compared to not necessarily having something else to look forward to because you're too caught up in the now. Like It can go back to the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Um, Ellen Satter published a, an article in the, in the Journal of Nutrition Education and Behavior about the hierarchy of food needs and how that is going to shape how we behave. And first, you have to have enough food. Then it has to be acceptable food. Then it needs to be reliable and ongoing food. And it all builds up because it says that you don't want to experiment with food or you do not want to waste food whenever food is money and money is already tight. So why would I try something new whenever I don't know if I'm going to like it and I can't afford to throw it away? So a lot of those things play into one another. The next question is how does this influence your food behaviors? And I just want you to like kind of think to yourself, anybody a member of the Clean Plate Club? Some people have the lifetime membership just kind of ingrained in them already. But the Clean Plate Club is whenever you have to clean your plate. That you need to finish everything on that plate because there's some starving kid in China, Nigeria, Sierra Leone, Kazakhstan, Afghanistan, wherever your parents want to choose. And so you have to eat all of your food so that they don't starve in those countries. The, the other thing that we start to do is that you eat when you can, whatever you can, because you don't care. You just need to have food. That can last far beyond the time where you just don't have food. And then the last one that I like to point out is that if you don't have food and you're just eating whenever you can, then you're not really going to be paying attention to whether or not you're hungry or full because this might be the only meal you're getting for the day. So you need to eat everything that you can right now because you don't know when you will eat again. At this point, you don't care about health or foods, and it establishes the mentality that healthy foods are just too expensive, so you stop looking for a way to get healthy foods. You just need food. So what are you supposed to do to be healthy on the cheap? All right, so let's take a quick break, and then we will pick this back up in the second half. Let's deconstruct some food. So what are we doing? What's going on? Let's look at it. Break, 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 break it down. All right, so let's look at how food would work within our body. In Food Deconstructed. Most people have heard of these new infused bottles of water where you can put strawberries or lemons or limes, blueberries, blackberries, any type of of fruit inside of this little thing that goes inside of your water bottle. looks like a little cup holder that has holes in it that goes inside the water bottle. And what that is supposed to do is change the flavor of your water. Now, you can do that. That sounds great. That's an excellent way to get you to drink water, especially if you think that water just tastes like nothing. And because it tastes like nothing, you're not going to consume it. That's fine. But whenever you're consuming these things, don't think that it's going to prevent cancer whenever you're drinking it because you have a couple of blueberries inside your water. It's fine. It's a good thing. Uh, I would recommend consuming the fruit afterwards, you know. But at the same time, it's not going to add that many vitamins and minerals to that drink. But it can change the flavor. If it makes you feel good, great. But don't oversell it to yourself. This has been Food Deconstructed. Now, 
I did want to let you all know that I have a book titled The Creation Code, which will be coming out this holiday season, and it uses the example of how the world was created to show us how we can create change in our own lives. I'll have a special discount for podcast listeners, but I wanted you all to know that that will be coming out. Welcome back to the Big Family Limited Food episode of The Mormon Nutritionist. What we were talking about before is, you know, the hierarchy of food needs, how we have different food behaviors whenever we don't have enough food that can influence us how we're going to behave later in life. Maybe we experienced that food insecurity earlier in our lives, maybe when you were in college, maybe whenever you were growing up and you just now are recognizing that you still carry some of those behaviors where you have to eat all the food on your plate and you might finish the food on someone else's plate because you want to make sure that we are not throwing any food away. Now, a recent research study came out and said that regardless of whether or not nutritious food is more expensive, the mentality that nutritious food is too expensive does the most damage towards people whenever they are approaching health. So let me just like word that in a different way. The study showed that if you believe that healthy food is too expensive, then you will not try to get foods that are healthy because you don't think that you can afford them. And so we really need to get out of that mentality so that we can really start to take steps to becoming healthier in using and managing the money that we do have. Some people think that this might not necessarily be related to nutrition, but if you don't have money, you feel you can't buy food. If you can't buy food, then you're not worried about health. If you're not worried about health and that mentality sticks with you throughout your entire life, then by the time that you might have developed a lifestyle disease because of the food that you consumed out over your lifetime, now you start to realize that the reason you're doing a lot of these things is because of other influences that have come into your life. All right, so now for the Mormon Nutritionist FHE Activity. So this might be most useful for those of you that have teenage kids or a little bit older. But what you want to do is give them a virtual $30 that they get to go spend on groceries. But that is supposed to feed them for the entire week. So the rules are that they've got to still get five fruits and vegetables a day. They would need to eat three meals. And then you just let them go online shopping. Obviously, do not log in. Do not put your credit card in there so that they can choose things that you might end up purchasing later. But allow them to do this activity and then explain to them that there are certain things that are really expensive that might not really last. And so if you're trying to teach them food budgeting, especially if they're about to go off to college, it can be largely beneficial because they get to learn how to budget their food. And then just go ahead and tag me at Zach Cordell RDN on Facebook with the hashtag eat 30 or you can tag me on Instagram, Zach Cordell RDN. All right, so there's your FHE activity for this upcoming week. Now, some of the things that you can do to stretch meals, to make sure that you're using your money the most appropriately, and still be getting healthy foods would be tip number one to use grains to stretch your meals. Now, whenever I say use grains to stretch your meals, I'm not saying go out and buy a 20-pound bag of white rice and just eat white rice and that's it. 
But if you include a healthy amount of grains, whether that's pasta, whether that's rice, then you can have those things. And I mean, you could throw quinoa, farro, buckwheat in there if you wanted to, but we're talking on the cheap. Is that that base of pasta could be helpful and then adding broccoli or cauliflower or a side salad so that you don't have to have only vegetables on that plate, but you still do have a balance. Stir fries are an awesome example of this because you can add onions, bell peppers, you can add a frozen vegetable medley that you can just kind of saute in that rice. And then you can throw in little bits of of chicken or pork or whatever type of meat you would like to include if you would like to include meat. Now, the frozen vegetable medley is is a perfect little lead in to the next section on buying fruits and vegetables. Tip number two. So obviously, to be healthy, you would like to get fruits or vegetables. But sometimes it might seem that they're a little expensive and you don't want to buy an apple for $3 whenever you could buy three loaves of bread for $3. So you have to find a balance between what's going on. One of the ways that you can get cheaper fruits and vegetables is to buy them frozen because frozen is going to be nutritionally equivalent to the fresh fruits and vegetables. You can get canned fruits in their own juice. You can buy canned fruits But if you're going to buy canned fruits, I would recommend getting it either in its own juice or in a light syrup. Because what that means when they say it's a light syrup or a heavy syrup or an extra heavy syrup is that they've added more sugar to the can. And you don't necessarily need more sugar on your fruit. It's not going to really help with satiety. It might change the taste a little bit. But nutritionally, you would want it in either its own juice or a light syrup. If you're getting vegetables... One of the things that you can do is just rinse those vegetables off before cooking them because that'll take some of the salt that's in there out. You can't even get a low-sodium version of those same vegetables that might be just the same price. And lastly, I mean, lastly, lastly, last of all, with the buying fruits and vegetables, I would recommend that you buy in season. Okay, so if you're going to buy fruits and vegetables in season, then that typically will mean that they're going to be cheaper because they are either going to be sold or they're going to be thrown away because they have produced a lot of them and so they need to sell them or else they do not make a profit on what they have created. So buying seasonally can be more advantageous. So it's kind of the opposite of what most people think of. If something is cheaper, you get what you pay for, right? But in terms of produce, if it's cheaper, it can often mean that it's just in season and it needs to be sold so they can sell it to you. For instance, I was talking to a student the other day and she said that she could buy two pomegranates when they're in in season for $2 each, or she could buy one out of season and it's $7. So just a matter of, of looking when things are in season and that can make a big difference. Tip number three that I would leave you with, maybe you need to change where you're shopping. Some people go shopping in the same place because that's where they've shopped their whole life. That's where their parents taught them to shop. And it's just the cleanest one that they've ever seen. So they're always going to Smith or they're always going to Albertsons. Maybe they're always going to Winn-Dixie depending on where you're living or Piggly Wiggly because, yes, that is a real grocery store. All right. But you may just be going to that one because that's where you've always gone. But it could be a lot more expensive than you realize. So going into other grocery stores that you might not have thought of, and you could even do this like on a date night where you just go out exploring and looking at different things. Check out the international markets in the area. Check out an Aldi, a Save-A-Lot, or the farmer's market. A lot of people think that if you go to the farmer's market, you're rolling in the dough. 
But I challenge you, this next Saturday morning, go check out the farmer's market in your area. Because you can go there, you can see the prices that they have, and a lot of times there's some really good deals there. Tip number four, look at where you are spending your food money. And this is not just limited to the location, but the actual food purchases. In my class, I go over this with the cost of coffee with my students, but that doesn't really seem like it's going to make that much sense here, so I guess I'll limit it to soda, or even diet soda. And I guess I could talk about energy drinks too. So you could buy a diet soda or a can of juice or any number of things that might cost you a dollar, or you could buy a bunch of bananas that would last one person for the week. And so when we say we don't have enough funds or enough money to buy healthy foods, it could just be evaluating where we're spending that. One of the big places that a lot of people don't realize they're spending a lot of money is on the meat at the grocery store. You might find that you can stretch your grocery list and improve your health status by reducing the amount of meat that you eat throughout the week. And I'm not saying that you need to completely remove it, but making it a little bit more like a seasoning rather than the main focus of a meal. For instance, you can think of tacos. A lot of times people think of tacos and they're like, okay, my taco, I'm going to have ground beef. I'm going to have cheese. And yep, that's it. That's all I'm going to have. But instead, if you had tacos with beans, with diced tomatoes, grilled onions, bell peppers, mixed with a little bit of meat and some cheese, you would be able to have a reduced cost because of that. You'd be able to get more vegetables into your diet. And because of those things, you'd be able to improve your health over time. So it's the simple changes that could make a big difference. You don't have to go out and just never eat meat again. You could start with a meatless Monday, see how you like it, see if you even tell the difference between what's going on, and then kind of go from there. Tip number five, buy low-sodium and low-sugar options. Okay, so I already mentioned this with buying canned foods, is that if you're going to be buying canned foods, look for the things that do not have a lot of extra sodium added to it or a lot of sugar added to it. You can season a lot of things yourself, and it'll taste great. There are a lot of blends that you can make on your own from herbs and spices that you probably already have in your cupboard right now. So there are a lot of just mixes that you can make. And then the final and sixth tip is going to be Know that there are a lot of cheap ways that you can eat healthy. Uh, Leanne Brown actually wrote a cookbook called Good and Cheap, and it's free. And I will put this in the show notes too so that you can go through and look at these recipes. And maybe you don't want that exact recipe, but you can use it for some ideas. And like I said, it's free. She uses it to demonstrate that you can eat healthy if you're on a food stamp budget. So it can be a pretty useful tool for a lot of people. So as a reminder of what we talked about today, just know that food insecurity is whenever you don't have access to food and you don't know where your next meal is going to come from and you do not have money to buy your next food. On top of that, do not be ashamed of going to ask the bishop or going and looking for food stamps or if you have young children, you can apply for the Women, Infants, and Children program. And I should say that uh, food stamps is now known as the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. So there's no shame in asking for help, especially if you feel that you have been contributing back and you are going to not use this for the rest of your life. The whole point of these is to be a tool for you to become self-reliant so that then you can manage it going forward. Don't become an abuser of the system, but you can use the system to assist you 
because that is what is there to do. And then finally, your FHE activity. Get your kids together. Give them a virtual $30. Allow them to go grocery shopping online and tell them that they still need to get five fruits and vegetables a day. They need three meals and it needs to be healthy foods. And this will help them to establish how to create a food budget, how to use a food budget, and how to still eat healthy even though money might be a little bit tight. And send me a message on Facebook with the hashtag Eat30. Thanks for tuning in. I'm hoping this was helpful for you. I hope this podcast has strengthened and nourished you. It might have opened your eyes to the fact that some of the things that we've done because we were kids and we were poor might have still bled into what we are doing as adults. And the next couple of episodes are actually going to be an interview that I had with J.C. Whiteman, a health coach, and uh, I think that you're really going to enjoy it. And just a reminder, the Creation Code book that I've written actually will be coming out December 1st. So look forward to telling you more about it. This is Zach Cordell, registered dietitian and the Latter-day Saint nutritionist. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Glad.